Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this sermon. You can find all our sermons at our website, holycommunion.net. From ghoulies and ghosties and long-leggedy beasties and things that go bump in the night, good Lord deliver us. Amen. Please be seated. That prayer was framed outside my bedroom when I was a little kid, and the words were surrounded by illustrations of dragons and monsters. I didn't choose it. I think the print belonged to my parents before I did. But when I realized that this year, I think this is the first time in 10 years of being a priest that I'm preaching on Halloween itself, that prayer immediately came to mind. Halloween can be a bit of a contentious holiday in religious circles, a bit like the religious scholar who comes questioning Jesus this morning. How many times in the gospel do we have a scene like this one? I can only pray that at the end of this sermon, we're both on the idea that there was some wisdom that got passed, like we do at the end of the gospel. I can promise you that any wisdom that I have to offer, I did not generate. If you ever hear wisdom from this pulpit, it's borrowed, I assure you. Hopefully some of it borrowed from Jesus. But what's a Christian supposed to do about Halloween? What's a thinking Christian to do about Halloween? My first response is characteristically Anglican. Episcopalians come from a long line of Anglicans who like middle ground. We like to make room for multiple viewpoints. Doubtless in this congregation, there are some folks who are excitedly celebrating Halloween. And it's likely we also have some who abstain. As your priest, I'll tell you where we are. We are excited to take Silas trick-or-treating later this afternoon. He will, and in the future years, we're probably going to exercise some care about exactly which costumes he is allowed to choose. Now, this year, he's three. And thankfully, I'm happy to say, he is thrilled to be going as one of the characters from Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, Ellis spent much of his week building the costume, and I have no theological or ethical qualms about imaginary trains. How long the costume stays together is another matter, but I'll leave that for later. I'm guessing it will get more complicated as Silas gets older, though. I sit somewhere in this middle ground with Halloween. Cautious, intentional participation. One of the ways to engage Halloween as a Christian is to be intentional about the Christian practices at this time of year. The traditional name for this holiday, after all, is All Hallows' Eve. Tomorrow is All Saints' Day. The next day, All Souls' Day. We'll celebrate both together next Sunday. And as a church, we invite you adults to participate. Halloween isn't just for kids. We're inviting the whole congregation to bring in a photo or a memento of a loved one who has died. This year, marking COVID, we have these chalkboards around the church where you can mark joys and griefs that you had to carry on your own, that you weren't able to be in the physical presence of your congregation for support. It may feel a little childish to engage, and that's good. 
What did Jesus say, after all, about childlike faith? As Christians, it takes intentional work to resist the cultural amnesia around death and loss. We live in a society that doesn't like to talk about either. And this season can be a time to intentionally and specifically remember those we have loved but see no longer, as the prayer book puts it. Halloween and All Saints, All Souls can be a time to face the realities of death and loss. Our first reading helps us there. The first reading today is from the book of Ruth. Ruth's a great book to read at Halloween. There's a ghost story. I'll get to that in a minute. As we pick up the story today, Naomi and Ruth find themselves destitute, widows, barely surviving a famine. The words we hear from Naomi are painful. She's in grief. She's lost her husband and her sons. Naomi is convinced she is cursed. She has suffered so much death. Just last week, we finished the book of Job. And both Ruth and Job remind us that our tradition makes room for grief. Our scripture includes stories of loss. This last year and a half, part of the difficulty for me has been not being able to gather here with you for a time when we were all facing so much grief and loss. Some of the losses have been big. We've lost members. We've lost loved ones. And there's been a lot of death in these 18 months. There have been other losses as well. Folks have lost jobs. They've lost opportunities. We've had to scale back our celebrations, our baptisms, our weddings. For some of us, the loss is a little bit more frustrating. For some of our older members and some of our folks who live alone, the loss of time is particularly difficult. Lost time with grandkids, time with beloved friends, time to travel with a spouse whose health is in decline. That loss is real. It's hard. At one point in the book, Naomi says, Call me Mara, because God has made my life bitter. Our Bible doesn't always clean up entirely. It doesn't always clean up the story. Scripture can contain these stories of loss and frustration. If we can't bring our loss to church, where the heck can we? Sometimes God is found in the unexpected actions of those who choose to be close to us. Ruth interrupts Naomi's inner narrative. She does the unexpected. She stays. She loves the woman who believes she's under a curse. She chooses community. She chooses not to look away from someone who's suffering. The book of Ruth acknowledges that death and grief are great and powerful mysteries, and it counters, saying, the power of love is even greater, even more mysterious. This book of the Bible doesn't contain big miracle stories. Nobody walks through the Red Sea on dry land. There isn't a blind person that is healed. The miracle in Ruth is love. More about that in a moment when we get to the gospel. Before we leave Ruth, I told you I'd tell you about the ghost story. If you read further on in Ruth, Ruth and Naomi make their way to the land of Judah. 
Naomi introduces the younger woman to her kinsman, Boaz. And the turning point comes on a faithful night. Boaz and the other men are sleeping on the threshing floor, huddled up, the Bible tells us. Ruth comes to him and, quote-unquote, uncovers his feet. Now, my Hebrew Bible professor at seminary, the Reverend Dr. Judy Fentress Williams, will tell you a couple of things about this scene. One, it ain't his feet that Ruth uncovered. Two, there's a haunting reason the men were huddled together out there on the edge of the wilderness. And Fentress Williams reads in this story, in the original Hebrew and in the cultural symbols that are going on around it, a very specific superstition. These men are huddled up because they're afraid of a demon, a specific demon named Lilith. And stories of demons in the wilderness were common in ancient Mesopotamian cultures. And these stories of she-demons haunt us even today. And part of why I say that I come down on careful participation in Halloween, part of why I'm going to be careful with how we engage as a family, is that some of the costumes scare me. So many of the costumes are problematic because they are sexist, racist, or culturally appropriative. And part of why we need to be careful about Halloween is because so many stories around us tell us that women's bodies are evil, that other cultures are evil, that those who are different are somehow evil. You have to be careful. Specific evils, racism, sexism, homophobia, ableism, ageism, these evils haunt us as a society. Real concrete harm is done when we allow these forces to run amok. Some of you know, you knew as soon as I used the word Lilith, there are some feminist scholars that are reclaiming Lilith. Some in our congregation may even have once attended a Lilith Fair concert, a tour which featured women artists and told the rabbinic story of Lilith that tells us that Lilith was Adam's first wife who refused to be subservient to men. When we encounter resistance to Halloween, when we encounter this cultural energy around Halloween, as thinking Christians, I think we have to ask ourselves, what has done more damage in our history? Literal demons or the Christian tendency to demonize people who are different? Ruth is a Moabite. She's not one of God's chosen. Ruth is a widow. She's counted out. Ruth is exactly the kind of person who would have been demonized in this society. And yet, Ruth is the title character, the hero of the story. Ruth's love saves Naomi. Ruth comes to Boaz at night, and yes, she seduces him. But the end result isn't judgment or condemnation. It's not evil. It's love. Ruth and Boaz are counted among the ancestors of King David, among the ancestors of Jesus. Calling yourself a Christian means that you are claiming a sacred lineage of cultural outsiders who disrupted the norms of their day. Halloween, at its best, can be a celebration of that sort of disruption. 
I dare you sometime, dress up as Ruth for Halloween. Biblical Ruth or RBG, you can have your pick. <laughs> but there's a certain sense of playfulness about Halloween, probably why we've made the holiday so much about kids. Halloween is a time when we allow for mystery, for play, for wonder about the limits of our understanding, and we make room for the supernatural. In today's gospel, Jesus is asked about the greatest commandment. He responds with love. Love God and love your neighbor. For Jesus, the greatest command, the greatest power is love. Ruth's story shows Jesus' teaching to be true. In the face of death, in the face of loss, in the face of grief, Ruth chooses love. Facing demonization for her ethnicity, her gender, her sexuality, Ruth risks love. Taking risks for love is in our spiritual DNA. Part of why I remember that prayer outside my door as a kid about the things that go bump in the night is that the prayer acknowledges there are limits to our ability to understand and control life. Even with all our science, all of us face the great mysteries of death, of grief, of loss. The prayer holds that mystery with an honest lightheartedness. Around Halloween, we can dare to be more playful than fearful spiritually. Because for Christians, the mystery which has the power to overcome all the evil forces of this world, the greatest mystery, is love. Amen.